Welcome to Horse to Culture, a digital salon hosted by the Known World Courtesans, where we bring you conversations with interesting gentles around the world. The Known World Courtesans are a free confederation of reenactors who have chosen a pre-1600 sex worker as our persona, along with the patrons, bodyguards, and entourage that may accompany us. As courtesans, we educate about historical sex workers and stand in solidarity with modern sex workers against sexism, misogyny, whorephobia, homophobia, transphobia, racism, classism, and all other forms of discrimination. Learn more about our group by visiting knownworldcourtesans.org. Today we have the absolutely marvelous Onesta Senora Justina de Silvestri, the barony of South Downs Meridius with us. Hello. And we're enjoying the evening in my lovely peristilium. My name is Lucrezia Lepida, but all of my friends call me Lepida. How are you this evening, my friends? Oh, I am doing wonderful. And hello. Hello, friends again. <laughs> well, we love having you. You're always a delightful conversation. And as mentioned earlier, and when I welcomed you into, uh, into the house, you always have the most interesting things to talk to us about. <laughs> um, so we're going to be discussing breasts yes, today. Yes, I'm a big fan. Uh, and yeah, I'm, <laughs> I think a lot of people are big fans. And even if you're not exactly a big fan personally, you can be a fan of the hard work that breasts do for our species. <laughs> um, and possibly for you and you are a wee baby. A wee, wee little um, baby. Wee little baby. Wee baby. Uh, so what kind of projects do you have? Before we get to that, oh, yes. what kind of projects do you have? Okay, um, sorry if this is this is gonna be a lot. It's been a minute since I've been it on the show. I was I was But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be um on back in May, um, but you know, audio issues and one thing happened in after another and it, uh so here we are. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> um so as always, the courtesans and Meridiers has so many exciting things happening. Um as you know, at Gulf Wars back in March, we became an official Kingdom Guild. So exciting. So excited. Um, and just a quick note, we're going to have you back later to talk about the actual process of like becoming a guild. Oh, absolutely. Um, if I can uh, teach people to learn from my mistakes and, and everything I've learned along the way. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that a lot of this is just learning from our mistakes um, and, you know, pass, trying to pass along that, that knowledge. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we became an official guild, and then at spring coronation, uh, which oh shoot, what was that in May? That I think that was in May. Um, we mm -hmm. received the crown's favor, uh, which is an award here uh, given to groups for their contributions to the kingdom. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, also at coronation, we sponsored our naughty scribal category, where for the first time we actually announced it. Uh, first time I was on this show, um, uh, about yes. a year ago. Wow. Uh, so we've been doing these naughty scribal categories. Um, we have a like a little scribal competition. Um, uh, sponsored by the Scribal Guild, and we each each group gets to kind of choose a category, and we give out prizes, um, and. Uh, so entrants could make scrolls with of an adult theme um, as a donation to the kingdom, and we received ten scrolls this time, which 
um, one of them was an out of kingdom entry, which made me so happy. It was the sweetest thing. Um, yeah, all, all of our schools are posted on our website, uh, courtesansofmerdiers.wordpress.com. Um, and fall coronation is coming up now. And of course, we will have a new naughty scribal challenge, uh, you know, for the saucy scribes out there. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I love the naughty scribal challenges. Like, I'm just so just it. It gladdens my dirty little heart every time I hear about them, and I love seeing the pictures. Yes, and they're like uh, these are things that scribes love to do because there's so much uh, like extant artwork that is just raunchy uh, that they can incorporate into scrolls, and people love these scrolls. Um, I actually yeah. received one um, when I got my uh, when I got my Order of the Velvet Owl, my OVO. Um, one of the entries of where the Naughty Scribal Challenge was sneakily put in there, um, and it was actually for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I was very, very happy for it. I, oh, my gosh. I, I actually try to tell everybody, and now it'll be, now everybody in the whole known world will know, um, I want as many, like, naughty, dirty scrolls <laughs> as possible. So, like, I actually told my Laurel, I was like, all the dicks, please. But... <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I learned, since I learned more about the dick tree, like the specific tree. Oh yeah. The, the one, like the, the nun. witches or no, like what are, are, are they, are they nuns? They're nuns. Oh, oh. It's a nun, nuns placidly harvesting dicks from a tree. <laughs> but yeah, now that I know more about the story behind the dick tree, I actually like, I'm, I wish I could make it like my badge, but you can't have a dick tree as heraldry. I think. I'm pretty sure you can have a dictionary as well. <laughs> Push the envelope. I believe in you. <laughs> um, well, I, if they're going to outlaw a field of roaches, like, there's no what? way they'd let you have a, a dictionary. Wait, was, so. was there a field of roaches somewhere that was outlawed? Yeah. What? that what? The, um... <laughs> no, hold on. Tell me more. Because okay, I, I, no. live, I live in a forest <laughs> in the middle of swampy Georgia. There are roaches everywhere. And, uh, like, I'm tempted. <laughs> it's okay. So <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of this tea. Um, but uh, the New York, Manhattan wanted to have a field of roaches as their device. Like, back oh in the God. day. I love it. And everyone thought it was too disgusting, so they put it on the list of banned charges. And so there it sits right next to, like, legitimately banned charges, like swastikas. <laughs> That's my only complaint, is that if we're going to ban things like <laughs> fields, of, fields of roaches, like, we should be banning them in a different way than we're banning swastikas, because yes, they're not the same thing. Yes, they are absolutely not the same thing. Those aren't the same thing at all. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, the point is that it's banned as a on the list of offensive charges because people just can't handle looking like, at it. Oh my god, ew! It says roach. Like, the, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, who, yeah. Cl clearly, they okay. do not live in the south because they are everywhere here. They are, but like, honestly, I won't lie. If if I lived there and it was like a field of roaches, I would kind of be like, oh, no, I, I as know. someone who hates bugs. Uh, sure, sure. But I, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels like it's like, it's like embracing, it's embracing what's around you. I don't know. There, I feel like there is some <coughs> kind of philosophy there. It's like embracing well, the humor of it. I'm, I'm sure somebody, somebody knows. It's like, it's like cordon <laughs> wheat in 
uh, Calenteer is Cordon Wee is in Iowa. It's like Des Moines, I think. Um, and Cordon Wee means heart of boredom. <laughs> so like, ah. you know, if you can find a way to do it in French, you can get away with anything, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so it, it, you're not wrong. Like, I feel like it's not an inappropriate charge for Manhattan. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't want to look at it. Like, if I've lived in a place where they had a giant field of cockroaches, heraldry poster or thing sign, like, every time I got drunk, I would cover up all their little disgusting feet with stickers or something. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Put little googly eyes on them. Yeah. So, because I just, I don't like bugs and their feet are gross to me. So I'd be like, I can't look at these. Oh. Okay. People just continually wake up to those little, like, office dots covering all the <laughs> bug feet. GLaDOS got drunk again. <laughs> or put, like, sense, like little censored bars over their feet. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, my me. gosh. If I had, like, magic black mirror eye software, that is what would happen. It would censor bugs, nudity, dicks everywhere. Just, censored bugs. Just put the dicks over the bugs. <laughs> Problem solved. I like that, but I also feel like it might take it to a quasi-creepy level. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But back, oh, right. back to what back, we're back actually... To, back to uh, our, what we're actually sciences. talking about. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. So... I'm still catch. I'm still catching y'all up on on what we've been up to. Yes. <laughs> so um, back in our Kingdom Arts and Sciences uh, Kingdom, we call it uh, Artsy Crown, uh, which is a Kingdom Arts and Sciences fair uh, mixed with uh, the Crown Tournament. Um, awesome. We hosted a very successful salon uh, Saturday morning, um, and we had two classes: Transgender 101 by Lord Bjorn, and the History of Chess class by Sir Yazi. Um, both of those were well attended and it was like a nice little cozy nook in the air conditioning, which it was like a record high, um, that weekend back in May, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after the salon was open, um, it was open uh, after the salon, uh, hold on. After the classes were finished, the salon was open, uh, for a bit of, um, you know, lounging and relaxing. We had people, um, bringing in their courtesan related books, um a nice yeah uh uh yeah it was it was just a really successful salon um a lot of the orders of high merit and peerages ended up have using that room for their meetings so we left everything up um and they were like a lot of people said thank you for for leaving like the hospitality stuff up because a lot of people didn't get a chance to you know get get snacks in between um oh yeah, yeah. so it, i was like i'm like yay this was this was very useful for a lot of people um and uh, we did leave out some of the, the naughty books and a knight came up to me after the the night's meeting he was like yeah we, we, we really uh he, he really he really enjoyed that the kama sutra was left out um he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said it made the 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 meeting a lot more interesting <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Oh. <laughs> okay, but yeah, so upcoming, we have some very exciting stuff happening. Um, I got to talk with a couple of people already about Dragon Con um, here in Atlanta. Um, 
and there are a couple of panels in the historical, uh, the alternative history track, um, which focuses on um, a, a lot of it. A lot of it's like steampunk Victorian, um, but there are uh, more a lot of opportunities for um, for topics that kind of uh, kind of glide across lots of eras, um, such as you know. Um, in inclusive topics about history. I am rambling at this point. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, I, I have I had like a, a window open about like the Dragon Con tracks, and I don't have it anymore, so I apologize. Oh no. <laughs> um, but there there is going to be a, a panel on Saturday about courtesans and mistresses and um, uh, other other sex worker topics, um, which I wasn't I wasn't able to get get in on volunteering for that one uh, so I might I might wait in line there um, but we also will have a uh, SCA meet and greet at Dragon Con if you are there Saturday um, awesome yeah so uh, if, if you're coming uh, you know join us on Facebook uh, SCA at Dragon Con um, is the group and we would love to meet you yeah and you can always find Justina because she has fabulous hair <laughs> And fabulous uh, Venetian dresses. I will be wearing on, yep Venetian dress on Saturday. Uh, okay, yeah. on point makeup, on point hair, oh. red veil. Sometimes you wear a yellow veil, but usually red. Yeah, I don't. I don't like wearing red with black. That I just I like the the colors don't feel right on me. So that's, yeah. that's when I wear the yellow veil. Is is if I don't feel like red goes with a, a certain color. I can kind of see that because you have. You're really pale, mm -hmm. like myself. Yep. <laughs> and those are both really strong colors, and so I could see how you like might feel like they overwhelm yeah. your uh, I, like skin tone. Yeah, I, I wore I wore like a lot of black and red in high school, <laughs> and I was very goth. And yeah. So like I'm not I'm not like I, I don't look back on it and be like oh what was I wearing but it's just like I was like those colors are for a certain time in my life and I am not there right now <laughs> yeah I am I've moved on <laughs> that's fair I, re I have replaced black with gray because I'm a millennial <laughs> <laughs> is gray the new black no, for millennials is, is it like don't you like see gray everywhere I don't know I feel like like gray is everywhere I've just recently been like I could get this dress in gray That'd be cool. I, I it, and then I get it in black. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 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 like reopening myself to incorporating black into my wardrobe. Um, I, I don't know. I'm 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 trying I'm trying to be like cool and edgy. I'm, <laughs> and I'm like if 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 any of you know me, like you know that I am. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sweet little muffin that will talk to you about poisons and death. Yeah, yeah, and I see. Like, I in no way actually present as like a sweet little muffin, but I'm very small, and so people just make that connection in their head. So we, but we both radiate the same shock. Like when we start talking about murders, yeah. I just, I'm going through my clothes really slowly, like, re like doing the slowest con Marie of my clothes ever. And um, of the things I looked at today, all of them were black, except for one was navy blue like that so that's the color palette in my wardrobe you're you're prepping you're you you are prepping for the fall aesthetic yes yeah uh, i guess no <laughs> i i have been prepping for the fall aesthetic every season of my life <laughs> i love since it since i turned 12 <laughs> <clears throat> 
so after Dragon's okay. Con, yep. Dragon Con. Yep. Uh, so after Dragon Con, uh, Crossroads, uh, which is September uh, 13th through 14th in Whitesburg, Georgia, um, it's going to be a Roman-themed uh, event, Woo! and um, courtesans have been invited to teach classes. Um, they are still finalizing the classes, uh, but we do have a flirting while dancing class taught by Lady Rebecca, and she is oh, no, she is a wonderful teacher, Ugh. and she, she knows she knows how to how to put icing on the cake with dancing yeah and I, i'm really i'm really upset that i cannot attend this because i'm uh co-autocratting another event and that's like our weekend for walkthrough uh, uh yeah. yeah well courtesans if you're listening and you can get to this yes get to this yes this is this is like this is an important class for us and she will be teaching it again if you uh cannot make it this time and she does she, she does travel um but yeah, I will. This is Lady Rebecca who ran the dance department at Gulf Wars. This yes, past year. yes, you know she's her. amazing, and she will be running the dance department this coming mm-hmm. year as well because she rocks socks. Yes, she. I think she is my apprentice cousin. I I I, I get muddled Aww. with the family trees, <laughs> but uh, yes, um, I'm 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 quite fond of of her and her teaching style. That's awesome. And yeah, she definitely she keeps it really fun. Yes, yeah. Um, and then uh, upcoming after that is the Meridian Grand Tournament, uh, September 20, uh, 27th through 29th in Guntersville, Alabama. And this is my first time going, but I have been told it's like prom for fighters. It's like all like pomp and sparkles and everything wonderful about like what you imagine the medieval chivalry would be like, you know? Yeah. Um, and the courtesans have been invited uh, to help with the revel um, and inspiring participation in the arts. Um, and a few of us are have volunteered as um, as servers. Like, like I have like I found some amazing gold plates. I'm really excited to get to use <laughs> that I will Ooh. be passing out. The um, there are several members of uh, the chivalry and their squires who are volunteering with the courtesans uh, to be. Uh, part to to help people partake in the festivities, we we are going to be encouraging people as as they uh, enjoy themselves to sing and dance and entertain. All right, we will be we will be uh, revi- re- reliving our muses' roles. Um, also, okay. Yeah. Also, uh, the Legio Ferrum, um, if you are at uh, MGT Legio Ferrum, the Iron Legion of Meridies has invited us to partake in their shade during the tournament itself. So if you need somewhere to go, come find us. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. Um, and finally, to, to wrap up everything I've been doing lately, uh, the weekend of October 5th, um, I will be autocr- or co-autocratting for the first time ever um, at Red Tower in Rutledge, Georgia. And our theme is the return of the Goblin King. And yes, it's a labyrinthian-themed event. Um, there's- <laughs> I know. We have, we, we have uh, a, a lot of really fun themed fights. Um, and there will be a Goblin Masked Ball with a uh, mask, mask contest uh, sponsored okay. by the Roses. Um, and there will be a courtesan oasis hosted by Lady Boo um, and possibly a salon at the Rebel, but uh, more info on that um, coming up. Okay. Yep. That sounds amazing. Red Tower seems like a really fun event. Um, it, yeah, it this, is. 
I've been hearing about it for a couple of years now, and it seems like a fun event to make it out to. Yeah, it's it's um, I think like one of my favorite uh, tournament style events. So it's a little bit smaller than a war, but it has history. I think it's, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the oldest tournament style uh, event in Meridies. Oh, I definitely would not know if you were wrong. About no, no, well, like you, you, you are idea. anybody who wants to correct me. I'm just sent. Just That's talk, true. Just, just talk to me. If, I'm, I'm, I like, I like hearing from people. That's true. We we all love we all love to chat. So if you want to cor- give us corrections on Twitter or on Facebook, or just email us, yeah, or call us. Oh, call us four forty four whores oh. and tell us you are wrong about your Meridian history. Well, we'll just be super excited. I will. I, yeah, I will be. I will be on the other side here, uh, taking your history. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> just. Pound her repeatedly with your history. Give me your okay. facts. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I did. Oh, I did make a personal Facebook page uh, for my own I research. I was just gonna concerts. say, um, make sure to share that. I should share that. Uh, Salato Dello. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I made this really long, and I don't know why. It's accurate, but it's a very long name. <laughs> because this is what happened. You didn't post on Facebook beforehand and say. Friends, I'm thinking about doing this. And then they all say, no, don't do that. No. Which is what I did. Otherwise, yeah. Oh, okay. Because my Instagram, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, my Instagram, no, I remember, but it's okay. Well, my, we'll my, my thing is actually short. It's just the name of it's long. So if you, if you look up uh, facebook.com forward slash Salato di Silvestri, you will find me. The full name of it is Salato della Onesta Signora Justina di Silvestri. Woo! <laughs> and that's where I'm going to share research and resources uh, for my 16th century Venetian persona um, and pretty much anything and that I think is interesting. What does all that mean? Salato uh, della Onesta. Uh, uh, Salato, it, it's like a salon. Um, a salon of the uh, honest lady, Justina di Silvestri. Um, okay. insta- yeah, instead of, instead of uh, honorable lady... I decided to go with a style that would be more suited to my persona. I mean, there wasn't one that was Italian, so I just kind of made one up. And yeah, <laughs> it works. We, it works for me. I'm not. I'm not projecting a title I don't have. It's just this works better for my persona, and it's more accurate. I feel. Understood. Yeah, I've noticed actually a lot of. Um, courtesan personas when they get their uh goa are like i'm not an honorable lady though (laughs) i'm I'm not i'm not yeah i'm I'm not that's not an accurate term for me that's a very english that's an english style Um, yeah i'm not i'm not dishonorable i i am very honorable (laughs) for those who i serve (laughs) that's true (laughs) i guess you could there those both the linguistic objection and the descriptive object objection are, are legitimate in their, in their place. So are we drinking tonight? What are we drinking? Well, I am drinking coffee and sparkling water. Um, my coffee's almost practically gone though, but uh, I have a coconut LaCroix, which we affectionately call LaCroix in my house. Coconut LaCroix. I like that. (laughs) Mm, That's fun. It's like suntan lotion. That's, been a little bit bubbly (laughs) I don't know why I like it but I do I 
Yeah, because the quat is a little bit like a taste of a taste of lime. Like, I, it's too little flavor oh, for me. I like it. And then also coconuts. Yummy. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> it it's, so, I'm like kind of obsessed with infused waters right now, which are awesome for events, by the way. Oh, that's true. There are some infused waters that are really good. Mm-hmm. They're, that's legit. I just got tired of making them all the time. Yeah. Because they don't last. Like, yeah. you have to, they last for like a day. And then it's like, oh, I gotta make it again tomorrow. Uh, all right, so well, what are you drinking? I want to. Oh, um, I'm drinking an elixir from the Sprites. Ah. Um, I've been having some really wonky sleep, so I'm just trying not to have anything that might interfere with my sleep patterns. Oh, understandable. Uh, yeah. Um. So shout out to our longtime salon patron, Medusa's Mirror. Uh, thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot, and we're getting super close to our sustainability goal. So, um, I'm really excited about that. Um, and we're just a little over a year into this and I feel like, uh, the support that we've found has been really amazing for considering that we're like a niche, niche, niche podcast topic. (laughs) Um, but we just really appreciate everyone out there who listens and, um, supports what we're doing. So we wanted to say thank you. You have a new patron. I do. Oh. Okay, I have a new patron. And so we discuss things like Gulf Wars. And the Honorable Lord Arlen has agreed to what I quote unquote charge. Uh, and so the way that I play my persona um, is I charge my patrons to contribute to Meridies, um, either through service, teaching, or creating arts and sciences for fairs. Um, I don't like it's not actual money, but it like you know it's like charging them with a an endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that some of my patrons they wanted you know to, to step outside their comfort zones um, in these ways, but they like they wouldn't do it for themselves, but maybe they would do it for me. Um, and the way I see it is in history, um, I feel like Justina, she would have encouraged her patrons to uh, aid Venice or she would have used their leverage to help the city in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, And Meridier's is my Venice. Um, So the Honorable Lord Arlen, um, he's very service oriented and he's kindly asked to fight for me at Meridian Grand Tournament. And for my company, he will contribute something to the kingdom uh, to be determined. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, But I'm I'm very excited about um, his patronage. He is amazing. He is very talented. He is smart and he can play the guitar like a dream. Oh, he sounds dreamy. <laughs> he, he he really is, actually. I like I'm like score. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent catch, my dear. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I just reviewed my patron contracts, um, made some updates and some minor changes. Um, changed one of my long term patron contacts to reflect some, um, sort of maturation of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I issued a new contract. Nice. So business has been good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, I'm, I'm so inspired by your contracts. I know, like, I need to sit down and do them at some point because I, I like, that's, that's exactly how it would have been done. Um, you know, you need to secure your assets uh, in history because, you know, at the end of the day, that's, like, how you survive. Um, well, and at the end of the day, like, 
as a woman, you're, and it, I think this is especially a thing for if you're a female courtesan, um, but as a woman, like, you legally didn't have, like, weight to your word, like, in court. Mm-hmm. So you would need like the actual signature of the dude yeah. to be able to prove that he was actually contractually obligated mm-hmm. to give you the things. And if you were a male courtesan, you had like your word probably counted as testimony in law. Um, testimony comes from testes, y'all. Like, oh. It's on but anyways, <laughs> um, that's I, part of it. I just learned a you, thing. If you don't have if you don't have balls to swear on, you can't be counted on to give accurate testimony. Wait, wait, did did they swear on their balls? Yeah, they did. They totally did. Oh my goodness! Like in Rome, where all of our law goes back to. Like instead of like putting their hand on the Bible, well, I mean, they, they would put, put their, their hand. hand... Well, they wouldn't put their hand on it because that's like a modern thing. Oh, okay. but like sure. they did totally like swear on their families. Hmm power which it would include their like that that was it wow yeah so and well and this is the other thing roman roman cultural aside um that they literally like when you were talking your words had power because of your balls and because of your how they carried the power of your family in them as a man so like that's part of why women couldn't give testimony or become public orators or lawyers is because they didn't have like the proper equipment to speak legally. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Like biologically they weren't able to speak legally. So well, now, now I know like why I freeze up in front of people. It's because my darn ovaries. <laughs> yeah. You just, you lack those testicles. Uh. And like, I'm clearly some kind of transgender because like I can do public speaking. No, that's super dismissive to trans transgender people, but that it just clearly shows like tying role essentialism and skills to physiological parts of your body is pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so there's a proverb, like a Roman proverb that's like in courts, ah, fuck, it's something about in courts and something you swear on your balls, and it's only still, like, applies because nowadays in, like, sports where courts happen, like, it's common for people. Anyways, yeah. anyways. Okay. Total aside. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 like, I like the derail it. Like, take us where we can go. <laughs> I swear we, so, will get, we will get down to brass tits later, though. We're gonna get down to tits. Yes. Um, Yes. <laughs> but uh so as a male courtesan though, you would probably like usually for male courtesans there's a lot of like um class mobile or they're trying to be mobile between classes, like that's part of the whole thing. So you would usually be dealing with women who are above your status. Mm. And um I would want it in writing with her signature if I was in that situation. Just as much as I would want a dude signature if I was in a situation knowing that my word would not be accepted. Because, you know, if you're a dude and she's the queen, like, sure, dude, she said a lot of things, but none of them counts. Yeah. But I got it in writing with her signature and signet. Ah, shit, son. (laughs) So I think, I just think contracts would be important. Yeah, yeah, no, and and like I said, it is super inspiring. I kind of, 
I don't know, I kind of like want like a wall of contracts, but also I'm like, <laughs> wait, is this, is this like putting like a notch in your bedpost? Like, is it, I, I, it's, I don't want to like be like, oh, I got to collect them all because each of my, each of my patrons is very significant to me. You know, well, it's, it's not, <laughs> all of it's my not patrons like, are really significant to me, but I'm also like, I'm definitely like, and then I have five contracts. Like, <laughs> I definitely am okay with accumulating. Well, like, but I also have a box of ducats, and I like literally. <gasps> Do you collect the like the all the little coins and things that people give you as a courtesan? This is my box of ducats, listeners. Okay. Oh my gosh, I see it. Oh, I, I keep forgetting that I have you. <laughs> oh, that is so neat. Okay, um, what I am looking at is a very beautiful wooden box that is engraved. And it looks like it has some kind of maybe Celtic design on it. Yeah, it's a triketra with flowers. And it's it's very beautiful. And it is full of coins. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, there's a big coin. Yeah, this is actually my first one. And then this one is from the King of Onstura. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty so shiny. Yeah, and this one's a an actual florin. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I uh, I've actually I've actually been prepaid for a courtesan job um with a uh a coin from I think a Spanish vessel. Um I I don't have it anywhere near me so I can't reference it, but it's from the yeah. 15th century. Um and I I have been prepaid for an arts and science entry um about napping and he 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 wait napping about nap- like taking nap yes. taking naps yeah yes historical napping and oh, um it, oh, wow. it, there will be a performance involved and i have been hired are you gonna are you gonna nap in public uh i i don't have any of the details that is as much as as i have at this moment but um <laughs> i've been prepaid and my my little coin has gone into my my box and i yeah i have like a little and i'm sure many of us do like a little box of treasures for all of the, the the little courtesani delights that yeah. that in, that inspired largesse. Well, I have other largesse collections. That is specifically only yeah coins I have been paid as a courtesan. Absolutely, I I do the same thing. Yes. Oh, I I would like totally like <laughs> like fist bump you right now. <laughs> I, but uh, we we are. But I just I I specifically like to be like those are my ducats. Yeah. And I actually also started a Facebook album. Where I tag, like, I post all of my earnings after an event, and then I'll tag, like, not necessarily my name, because mm-hmm. discretion. Yeah. But I, I will tag, like, I got this for teaching about consent. I got this for escorting someone to court. I got this for Ooh. lunch, um, whatever. And, um, yeah. So, I, I like, I really like getting fiat currency. It's actually my favorite, favorite way to be paid is fiat currency. So... Oh, I yeah, I yeah. It, it it does it does bring me like a lot of joy um to receive stuff. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It, it, like it, uh so, sometimes yeah. sometimes it's like even like very specific. Um one one of uh I I I don't I wouldn't call him a patron, um but a friend. Um uh, he he brought me a gift of forget-me-not seeds. Mm-hmm. And um a lot of people think of me as, you know, the the creepy skull girl, <laughs> and so I get I get a lot of skull stuff, which I love. Um, it's memento mori. I love it. Um, but the another aspect of my um, 
my coat of arms is the forget me not. Oh yeah. And I love forget me nots. And so he, he brought me um, a very beautiful carved wooden box with forget me not seeds in it. And oh, that made me very happy. Oh, that's so, that's so sweet. Like, it's so thoughtful. And yeah. yeah. Oh, the little, like, I have an actual, like, a whole drawer of my desk that is just large dress that I've gotten, and when I'm sad, I, like, just open it up and look through stuff, and, like, oh. Little treasures. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that part of the SCA. Mm-hmm. So, that actually is a pretty good segue into asking you, so, we've had you on before, mm-hmm. but we hadn't fully, like, developed our introduction questions so we're gonna do them again also it's fun uh so how did you get started in the SCA uh well my parents joined when I was young um in about 1992 uh so I was I was very well I don't want to say I was like very little because I remember joining um but I rejoined again um in South Downs here in Atlanta in uh 2011 so I had I had participated from 92 to about I don't know uh, 2002 and then I kind of quit um, and then I, I, when I, I really liked the dressing up. That's what I really loved when I was a kid. And I kind of had a very active imagination. I could come up with like, I could research persona stories and things like that. Um, that was something that really, uh, that, that I really I, enjoyed. Um, but back when I was a kid, I didn't really have the community and support that I have now since rejoining. Um, I, yeah. I feel like there's a kind of thing that for a lot of kids who were like mm-hmm. grow up in the society, they like have a little rum springa. Like they take yeah. a little time. Yeah. Well and then they come back. Well also like the society has became has become a lot more kid friendly. I think we didn't like there there was like maybe some kids activities, but I don't really recall participating in them. And mm. I was kind of left on my own to just play by myself a lot. Like which I was okay with that, but I didn't like I, I you know like you develop like a community like when you're with people right. uh and, right. and I think that that uh the society has really gotten good about um about developing that amongst our younger generation um, oh man yeah like although every everywhere I've ever been in the known world could take a tip from Lily's war though like I'm not even kidding oh what happened at Lily's I, I'm just honestly I was a little jealous of the kids programming <laughs> like it was fantastic they had like a D&D game they played all week oh yeah um there was like multiple different tournaments and scavenger hunts and classes. Like the kids just, they had their kids programming was on point. It's just what I was saying. Oh, like, fabulous. War. So if anyone else is like, I'd like to up our game as far as like including kids, check out what Calentier does for Lily's work. Cause it's pretty phenomenal. Like there, and the kids were like, so happy and active and like out doing stuff like it was just as much of a war for them as for everybody else so like they were like they were like we were like that you'd see them they'd be out but they were like going to stuff they weren't just like wandering around and like roving bands yeah or like (laughs) what they would do with us is like they would be like oh there's two children put them together and they will get along yeah no the people like children are people and not all personalities get along no, especially if like, and maybe they would, but they maybe don't know how to, like, neither one of them knows how to initiate right, social right. contact. So it's the same as them not getting along. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing that I really appreciate um, that I see here in Meridiers, and I'm sure that it's, it's the same in other kingdoms, but I don't recall it as a kid, is having kids participate a bit in court. 
Um, yeah. Where when I was a kid, kids did not go to court. Like my parents would go to court and be like, okay, you like, it was like, you know, go, go I, I don't know. It, it felt like it wasn't, it wasn't for kids maybe. I, or maybe yeah. that was just our, like my family's interpretation of it or something. I don't know. But at, at, here in Murdier's, they like, they bring the children, the children of Murdier's uh, in to talk to the king and queen and they ask them how their day was and they get like a little prize. It's like, I wish I had that. We, we do that in Trimeris, but I will be honest, it's a little bit like, um, well, I don't know, it's, it's not a bad thing, but like the kids come to court and then they come up and they talk to the king and queen and they get, they get cool stuff. And then honestly, after that, they all leave court and play outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's probably what they do too. Cause I mean, like court can't be t- terribly exciting unless you know the people oh, getting Jesus, no. called up if, if you're a kid. Yeah, no. And I even, I love court. Like, I'm a sucker for, like, everything about court. But honestly, having been to, like, a foreign court recently, like, even this court junkie is, like, done, like, a quarter of the way through. I'm like, okay, I've got this. Like, no one I know is getting anything exciting. Like, let's head out. It's fine. Um, so how did you get started as the persona that you have now? So uh, back when I first created Justina, um, I imagined her to actually exist in the 15th century. Um, I, you know, I was I was really taken in by the ever after look, like a lot of people are. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, my, my uh, Laurel Mistress Alessandra, she ended up getting me hooked on later period gowns, um, which I just like feel so much more like it feels like much more flattering on me and I I am more comfortable I think in the hit I don't know I just like feel like more comfortable in the history of that era um yeah and uh yeah so that's why that's why I live in the 1590s now um and I've, I've kind of developed a, a little bit more of my person persona since you asked me last time last time I was like oh, I don't I don't know um but uh so my, my persona uh as a courtesan, though, I, I skipped ahead, uh, began after okay. I met uh, Queen Fortune at Gulf Wars a few years ago, um, you know, I'm finding out that I could, like, it, it's just my, my life just, like, blossomed after uh, finding out about this this opportunity to have this kind of persona. Um, you know, I could live my best decadent life and take charge of my own sexual appeal um, and, you know, I'm, I'm recently looking into who Justina would have been. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I love hearing that from people when we, when I ask that question, because it, it does, it does happen. Uh, so what inspired you to choose a sex worker persona? Well, um, we talked about this a bit um, in the asexuality uh, episode. And I feel like every time, every time I think about that episode, I'm like, Oh, I left so much out, <laughs> but, but know, it's such a good episode, it, it like even with what it is. And it's episode four, if anyone is oh, curious. Uh, yeah. Um, but ever- it's um, space for ACE courtesans and the Tom Hiddleston <gasps> appreciation society. Tom, Tom. I know you're listening. Oh my gosh. Yes. Please, okay. please, uh, please correct my Tom- history. I don't mind being corrected <laughs> if it's in a British accent. <laughs> Callers, do you hear? Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll also so, I'll also take Australian. <clears throat> oh, fair. Okay. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah. So 
what inspired me to choose this, like after I found out that it was that it was possible, because uh, you know a lot of us like it, it didn't cross our minds until we found out somebody had that persona. They were like, what, what? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so getting hit on it used to make me so incredibly uncomfortable, and it still kind of does depending on how it is. But I feel like that's normal. Um, but it it just it felt like at any time getting hit on would be turned on me like I was some kind of babysitter for like men's emotions a little bit um and we, we yeah, yeah we, we we talked about how like we aren't responsible for managing other people's emotions um in that asexuality pod like the podcast episode and I, like that has been something that has really really helped me so intensely over the past couple of years as I have uh, learned more about this persona it's, and it's affected my real life it's given me confidence um yeah fortunately she brought me into the the known world courtesans and there was where I found the support and the tools um for guiding conversations that made me uncomfortable and establishing boundaries um and I feel like this the courtesan persona it's a shield and I've learned healthier ways of responding to you know, quote unquote, nice guys that don't respect boundaries. Um, I, I know that a lot of people will think of having a courtesan persona as being like more open and vulnerable to, yeah. um, to unwanted attention. But I was but getting that, I, I was getting that unwanted attention anyway. This, yes. this feels like it's a shield. Like, yes. it, it's like, oh, uh, like <laughs> I, I can, I, I have, I have a better understanding of boundaries because of this persona. Um, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Like, I actually think that that perception like is really common, but it, I really think that what we do is a lot more about putting you in control of those interactions <laughs> or at least showing you how much control over those interactions you, you know, you rightfully have and, and giving you permission to, um, to be, to expect to be treated the way you want to be treated. Yes. More or less. Yeah. And, but yeah. And seeing, seeing like I've, I've learned a lot from other courtesans, how they have responded to, um, you know, uncomfortable interactions. And it's, it, it's like really helped guide me away from, you know, feeling like I shouldn't hurt other people's feelings, even if they're disrespecting my feelings. Kind of. I, I don't I, I, if that makes sense. It does. It does. It really does. Um, and well, and I think that's something just as women mm -hmm. were very much expected to like be the people who smooth things over and make things okay. Um, but that's not necessarily your job unless someone's going to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finger guns. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell us more about your courtesan persona. What is her story? Well, I'm still developing a couple of uh, the, the fine-tuning the details, but Justina was born to another courtesan in late 16th century Venice, and she learned the trade from her mother. And I imagine her father was a politician of some sort. I am still figuring out the details because political life in Venice was complex, and yeah. um, it, it's it's... The, the details of it are, are still like what I'm kind of uh, learning about, but this is something like I'm kind of excited to learn about and mm -hmm. it's because of my persona. Um, but I'm thinking that uh, her having relatives in uh, the Venetian um, government uh, 
is how she's able to gain influence and network within um, within those connections. And she entertains visiting dignitaries, and she sleeps with the right people, and she can get connections for her family, um, you know, by by way of a little a little a little bit of espionage. Yeah, um, yeah, and she I, I imagine her as being like deeply patriotic to Venice, um, and that that is how she leverages her her skills um, for her family. Um, even even though she's not like technically part of the family, she's she's still connected there. Yeah, well, she still benefits. Mm-hmm. Like if if your father, even if you're um, an illegitimate child who's not receiving like direct like inheritance or anything, if your father's power is protecting you and probably your mother mm-hmm. as well, like then, you know, it's still supporting your family. It's still your family. Yes. It's still the family that takes care of you. So that makes perfect sense. Um, I really like that. I, and I like that because it, it incorporates the whole like women as diplomats thing that is a thing in history mm-hmm. that we really frequently overlook and it does it in like a, a whole different like level than we are used to thinking about, which is the just being married, being married off kind of thing. Yep. So I love it. Love it. Oh yay, thank you. So what is your dream? Why why do you play in this in this uh, game of ours? Ah uh, it's when when I'm at events, like you know how how they talk about like you're looking for that moment, like there's a magical moment, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um what I like to do is I like to experience and feel the things how they were felt in history so sometimes at at feast I'll like close my eyes and I'll take a bite and I'll try to imagine what Justina would have experienced in that moment and I know it's not quite the same because we don't always have the same fabrics the same uh, the same lighting the same ingredients but it's as close as we can try to get Mm -hmm. Um, and I love the community that SCA gives and it's it's just a chance to try new things and meet new people where otherwise I I would just be in my you know real life bubble. Um, yeah. A- another thing that I that so often we don't get in real life is an appreciation for what we do and what we bring. Um, and I feel I feel that uh, we as a community try to build that. Uh, that yeah that that maybe like a gratefulness of service yeah um which you absolutely yeah which you know a lot of us just like feel taken for granted in the real world and I I feel seen in the SCA yeah I feel like that both for service and for art Mm -hmm. like as as an artist in the real world you know you can work on a thing and you can you can even make money from what you do you can do commissions and stuff like that but um the real world only offers money as a reward, yeah. like really the ultimate and only reward in our society is money. And it puts your and value if, on, on like how much of that money you make. Right. And if you're someone who, um, does things that have value that don't earn money because there are lots of things that are very valuable, but that people are not willing to pay for mm-hmm. like honest opinions, oh. <laughs> for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that's a thing. Or if you're just someone who's not particularly motivated by money, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot, some people are way more motivated by being seen by the appreciation of other people, by encouragement. And I, I, I do love that the SC offers that to people. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so for the main event, Ooh. for the meat, <laughs> the meat, the meat. <laughs> We're gonna talk about boobies. Boobies. Okay, and I do. Uh, I do have my list of uh, cute names for boobies from Cosmopolitan magazine. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh. <laughs> the girls. Bips. The, gir- the girls. <laughs> there is a lot of amazing gifts in in this list. Norks. I've I've never heard that name. Uh, me neither. Slammers. Whoa. Tiggle bitties. Okay, we're going to talk about boobies. We're going to talk about boobies, and we're going to talk about them now. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm very excited for this for this topic, and I have had a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been planning this for a bit. So. We have. So, yep. Yes. So, tell us more about what what got you interested in boobs. In, in wanting to talk to everybody about boobs. Okay, yes. so in pursuit of learning more about my persona, I have become incredibly curious about breasts and how they were viewed in the Renaissance. And um, as a FYI, I am clearly clearly not an expert. <laughs> I'm clearly not an expert here. You know, I just like figured that you know, since so much of history of breasts coincides with sex workers, that it, you know, this would be an interesting topic for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're um, here. We're here for this. <laughs> so, if uh, anything, you know, I find if that I mentioned can be like a springboard for someone else learning more on a topic. I, you know, I've done my job. You know, and, oh, and also, if you if you know cool things about the history of breasts that I don't know, I want to learn more. Please, again, call us, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Tom. Tell- Tom. Call us, Hiddles. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere out so, there, Tom is like, what? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Someone someday, like two years from now, is going to be like, I think they're talking to you, Tom. <laughs> okay. So your personal interest <laughs> in boobs. In my personal interest in boobs. Okay. So I, if, if you have seen any pictures of me on Facebook or the internet you'll you'll or, you'll, you'll or know the patreon there's a patreon exclusive video of you um, at dragon con last year oh really yeah what really yeah oh I you sent it to me did i <laughs> it's yeah it's you standing in front of the legion of, of shirtless oh, oh, okay. dudes okay yes yes okay sorry i uh <laughs> i had a lot of fun at dragon con last year <laughs> she she did i can i can confirm <laughs> and uh I don't, okay. No, I remember, I remember sending that. I remember sending that. Um, a friend of mine dropped off a bottle of uh, what he affectionately calls a liquid panty dropper. Mm. And I had a great time that night. And I wasn't, there. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what kind of video I sent you. Oh yeah. Fair. I understand. No, no, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> so back to your personal Any interest in boobs. Is, yes. So my personal interest is, Anyway, you'll you'll know that I like to I like to show off what little I have, um, mostly, and I will be completely honest, mostly out of spite. Someone, <laughs> at one point, made a comment that what I was wearing was inappropriate at an event, and ever since then, every time I make a dress, the bust has gone lower and lower and lower. <laughs> and that that is that is why we are where we are today, is. I 
don't like being told what I can't do. <laughs> I I can respect that. I can respect that. Yep. Like there's, and also like there's no reason that breasts should be in any way indecent to no, just wander around. Absolutely. So, not. The thing the thing is, not that I'm encouraging anyone to do that where it breaks applicable laws and right. uh, will get you in trouble. But I'm just saying, like logically, rationally, there's not a real reason not to just yeah. wander around with your boobs out. Yeah, ex- exactly. And if you like. I, I wish I I wish I still had the photo of what I was wearing that day because it was hilarious. I, like I wasn't I, I wasn't showing anything like at all. Oh, I, think, of I think because I'm I think because I'm so pale that somebody mistook my uh, chemise for my skin. Maybe oh. I don't know I don't know. But uh, the next year I made my Loki dress, which is that black and gold one, um, which stops yes. right above my nips. And I put, like, for, for uh, special occasions, I'll get one of those Korean bras that, like, pushes everything together and up. And I yeah. wear it with that. And then uh, uh, last year, I made an underbust gown, um, which was the one from that video uh, with, yes. with, the, with the 400 dudes. Yes. And then a few months ago, I, uh, you know, I really pushed it by draping my chitin in a very suggestive manner when I depicted Erato, the Greek muse of erotic poetry, which you yeah. should all join us at. MGT. <laughs> um, so, so finding out as much as I can about the culture and fashion around breasts, it's kind of me putting my middle finger out to people who like to control what women wear and uh, women's fashion and behavior for no reason. Yeah. Because so, it's always existed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so you got started with um, a book, The Cultural Encyclopedia of the Breast. Yes, uh, by uh, Meryl D. Smith. Um, this is where I got a lot of this information. Um, when I was, I was just looking for, I was just looking for, for info on historical tit stuff. And um, I found, I found a, this book and you can get, okay, so I thought that the only copies were like, you know, upwards of 60 bucks and over, but I found some used ones, which you can get for around 30 if you look on the interwebs, if anybody is interested. Awesome. Um, but yeah. So, beauty ideals. So... Oh. And these are fascinating because they're so mutable and we are, we get so convinced by the invisibility of our own culture mm-hmm. that what we think is beautiful is universal, but it's really in no way universal. Absolutely. So digging into like our own culture's history of what is attractive is always fascinating to me. So please. Um, and I am, I am going to be talking mostly about Europe because I think that's what the book covered. Like there were, um... And, and mostly because, you know, this is my persona and, like, this is what I was looking into. Right. There is. So, even, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, ton, there's tons more information out there. Um, and I'm very right. curious about it. But. Um, so, even if the book makes the mistake of acting like um, European history is everyone's history, mm-hmm. like, we get that that's not the case. And you're reading it for your persona. So. It's yeah. Well, I just I just wanted to throw throw that out there. So, to, it's you know, to keep people to so that people keep in mind that I'm not talking about. There, there right. is not a blanket that goes over everything. Yeah. We're um, well aware that European history is the history of Europe and not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. so beauty ideals um, in Renaissance Europe, large breasts were not the beauty standard that they are today. Um, you know, where large thighs, they were considered more erotic than, than breasts were. Um, there were uh, beauty recipes uh, for women for them to apply to their breasts to keep them small and firm. Um, and if you look at the nude paintings of women of the time, uh, their breasts are small and they have larger thighs. Um, where you see um, larger breasts, they were often more associated with lower classes and older age. Like it was like more of 
like it was like seen as like more like humorous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a noble woman, they were painted with smaller breasts, um, but you see like the lower classes, they were depicted with larger breasts. And um, oftentimes fashion would minimize the, the look of the breasts uh, for much of the early Renaissance. Um, many styles, they would create like more of a conical shape that uh, kind of squished things a little closer to the torso. Um, I think Venice had more fashion with breasts than other cultures uh, in Europe at the time. Um, you know, there was more of a culture of showing them off uh, more than like other parts of Italy. Mm-hmm. And I read that the courtesans, they would put uh, makeup on to darken their areola uh, to, you know, be better seen from afar as they displayed themselves at their window. I've heard that um, of later period prostitutes or sex workers. So that makes perfect sense to me. And it, it, it like, it just kind of stands to reason and also, like, from an anthropological perspective, like... Um, lipstick in general simulates sexual arousal so like oh it all, yes it all fits in together I, that makes a lot of sense to me yeah i, I i've heard i've heard that um, yep. which is not something that i think about because I, I love like my super bright colors of lipsticks and i just like imagine <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine uh like some vulvas being like i i'm wearing like right? orange lipstick right now like no joke it's bright orange I, yeah yeah well i mean but think about if a vulva really did turn like as bright red or as bright pink as lipstick that we wear, it would be kind of like, sexy. It it would be really aroused. It would be a super <laughs> aroused vulva, like that's for sure. Yeah. So, oh. you know, yeah. Oh, oh, oh! I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a uh, keep signaling with my I'll lipstick. Then. Some, I'll have to make some nipple rouge. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Heard. Please. Heard. Please. Please. Heard. Okay, so yeah, low cut or underbust gowns, they became very fashionable in the sixteenth and early seventeenth century. And it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't just um sex workers who were wearing this style, like queens and the uh uh oh gosh. What is the female equivalent of a doge? It's uh I sh- Dogerina or something? Oh, yeah, something. Oh, I should know that. I am ashamed right now. You really should. Uh, like, oh, I don't gosh. mean to shame you, but you should know yeah, that. That's oh. a thing you should know. No, it is. It is. And it's something I know. I just can't. I can't remember. There's a lot of pressure on right now, y'all. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You. It was something worn by even like the leaders, the, the yeah. women who were up very upper class. Yes. Yeah. There There are several paintings of, um, of, like the the wives of of um you know elite members of, Ven- of Venetian society with underbust and that po- I think that became very popular throughout like certain cultures as it as it spread to um to England so when, in a later period. When you say underbust dress, do you actually mean like the boobs were just out? Oh, yup, yup. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure everyone listening knows exactly what you're saying. They're they're out, but they're not out. There there's like so. The one, the one that I have, you can you can have a chemise that's like over it too, and then you also put on a partlet for modesty. Um, but it does it does cut like right like like you know that like piratey kind of style of corset that you know they yeah. see at the Renaissance fair. It it kind of cuts like that underneath the breast. So you yeah you have you have that look, um, but you know your your tits out. <laughs> but you have you have an undergown over it. Yes, normally. 
I did wear I did wear my undergown and a partlet um, during the parade, but uh, and, and I'm talking about at Dragon Con um, because this was the dress that I wore that day, uh, and that's why I was like, uh, "What video did I send her?" Because <laughs> later that night, uh, I definitely took off the I, I took out the chemise and just wore the partlet, and I put um, I, co- I covered up my nip so that I wouldn't get in trouble, which you know. Ugh. With did you wear pasties? I I really I didn't have pasties at the time. Like I really I'm really kicking myself that I didn't have cute pasties. I just put on like band aids that were skin colored. But uh, gotcha. Like I really wish that Fair. I were like I just had... yeah. I I just had to ask because you always have cute pasties. I do. Now, so. Oh, and I got some new pasties. I'm really excited. I got them for my Bucky costume that I will be wearing on Friday. So oh yeah, if anybody sees me at Dragon Con on Friday, I will be wearing a formal. Like ball gown style uh, winter soldier outfit. And I'm so excited to see pics of that. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. I, I, I do. Um. So, oh, go ahead. Oh no no no. It's 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 fine. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. So, I really want to get to this because it's hilarious to me the how um, the breast has influenced the architecture of Venice <laughs> because well, it's like their mascot there boobs boobies. Um, so in Venice, uh, there is a very famous uh, touristy bridge. It's called the Pont de la Tête, um, or the Bridge of Tits, and it's on the Rio di San. Love it. <laughs> the Rio di San uh, Canciano. I apologize for any of my pronunciation, um, uh, which was uh, used by sex workers um, uh, in the Renaissance, and they were even encouraged by the Doge um, and city officials to stand topless on it and uh, in nearby windows to entice the customers. And this is some old school homophobia, old school transphobia that was happening back then. Yeah. Um, but there was like this panic in Venice uh, at the time that uh, that uh, homosexuality was becoming a problem. And the city thought that the sight of breasts and the wiles of the sex workers would drive men back to heterosexuality. Um, I love which, that at which homosexuality like became. Well, I love when they're like, it's become a problem, and it's like for you <laughs> because we've been gay forever, and it was it's never been a problem for us. But no, the the site the tits are just magic, and they just <laughs> clearly the site of uh, what you are possibly not attracted to is going to pull you in. Um, so this is, this is is some, some real, real good thinking by the Venetian government at this time. Um, it's also, it also was a way for them to kind of try to flush out, um, you know, transgender, uh, transgender sex workers, um, who were also, you know, working at the time. Um, because, you know, in their mind, if the person has breasts, they're a woman and, uh, right. you know, they're allowed to work there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's gross. It's old school grossness. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there, a tit bridge is fantastic. Yeah. The, the tit, the tit bridge is still there. You can go visit it. Um, but you can't put your tits out. You, well, I don't, I don't know. It's Europe. I, I <laughs> maybe but <laughs> don't do It's it. a naked place. It's Europe. I am not encouraging it, but. I, don't know. I mean, if I if I were there, I'd want to at least flash the world. I'd be like, listen, <laughs> I'm there, and and at the Paps of Anu, are those are for two sure places. I feel like you should be able to be like tits out, 
this is right like this is our place this is a boob place <laughs> this is a boob place um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like during Carnival might be like a good time to do it. I, I don't. I don't know what the. I I have never been. I don't know what the culture is like there. But you know they do it at Mardi Gras. Fair. We'll have to have my Jada on a whole, a whole salon <laughs> episode just to ask her if she thinks we could get away with going tits out on the tit bridge. Oh my gosh. <sighs> <laughs> I actually feel like that should just be like a vibe, like the look on her face. When we ask her that question, should be a vine. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you brought her up because I am I am dragging her into this discussion right now <laughs> <laughs> because um, there is a fountain in Venice called the Fontana della Tete. Um, you know the fountain of tits. Tits. Um, it is this fantastic fountain from 16th century uh, that, for special occasions, would pour red and white wine from the nipples to the citizens of Venice to drink for free for days. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, unfortunately, I, I like, love it. The, the original statue, um, it, it, I think, received some damage. I don't remember if it was like during a war. Don't quote mm. me on that. But they did rebuild it. Um, and now there is there is a modern uh, version of the statue that exists. And then the original one, I think, is on display somewhere. It just has water out of it, though. Uh, boring. It's not wine anymore. That yeah. I mean, it's still boobs. It's still you know. boobs. If if yeah, it, they're they're still there for you. Yeah. Um. But I am working on creating my own version of this for Revels, and I've discussed this with Mesa Giada, um, which was like kind of like through through discussion with her is how like I sparked it sparked this, um, and how we could make it work for the Cato Oro. And um, I have brought in some uh, other artisans that are local uh, to Meridies, um, the Honorable Lady Corinna and the Honorable Lady Emelina, um, to uh, create like a group ANS project out of this. Because, you know, I was, I was just going to make it just for parties, but there's mm-hmm. like an opportunity for some serious uh, badass ANS right here. Um, it's true. So we're going to try to make like a plaster cast of my own torso. Um, because I'm a courtesan and I, I, I need, I need odes to my body. Right. Right. It's important. (laughs) It's It's an important part of what we do here. It it is. Um, and, uh, we're going to, we're going to see if we can also get my face. Um, I, you know, somebody (laughs) gave like a tip that, you know, it could be kind of creepy and dehumanizing if it's just my torso. And I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Let me, let me get my visage out there too. Does the original have a face or yes. is it just a torso? Yeah, okay, so the original. Okay. Uh, and, like, as I'm describing this, I am making the pose of the statue because I can't help myself. Um, so she's, <laughs> she uh, is, like, holding her, her breasts. Um, it's, like, very kind of, like, very stiff, uh, like like her posture. But she is she's holding her breasts, um, one in each hand, and, it, it like, it, and the water is spurting out of it. Okay. Yeah, so I, gotcha. don't, I don't know if I'll be able to create – I'm not – Due to due to limitations, because what we're going to do is we're going to need this uh, this statue to be hollow, um, so that I can put uh, bags of wine inside. So what we're going to do is we're going to hollow out the nipples uh, so that we can fit nozzles from the bags, and we'll pull those through, and then it could be used as a dispenser. At least okay. this is this is like my idea for it. Um, Corinna, she is she is good at engineering. Um, if you've ever seen what she's worked on, she does. Uh, she does Roman concrete. Uh, oh, oh, I saw her project. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's amazing. And uh, uh, Lady Emelina is a fantastic artisan. I'm, I'm very excited for this group project. 
you should make that heavy enough that people will be less tempted to steal it mm. than the little Onstiorin drinking goat. <gasps> we had we had our our mead goat stolen too. Yeah, so I'm saying if you have a <laughs> if oh my god, if, if somebody have... steals me, I will be so pissed off and I will hunt you down. <laughs> I will hunt you down <laughs> until the ends of the earth. <laughs> well, now I want to. <laughs> Um, but no but stealing, anyway. no stealing the nipple Justina. <laughs> Is that what we're gonna call it? The nipple Justina? No, oh, that doesn't sound very pretty. We'll, we'll come up it with something. Does, it really doesn't. No, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I think it should be like Lady Justina of the Bounty or something. Oh, oh can I say something gross? Of course I can. Yes, you can. <laughs> so I was, I was talking, I was talking um, to my housemate earlier about about this. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, you know, talk about this project. I was like, oh, I should make sure that when we do the mold, that it's like right before my period to make sure that <laughs> that my my boobs are like as big as like. <laughs> oh yeah, with yeah, the, all you, the you know like you know that pre the pre period boob. Yeah, uh, it's the best boob, except it's like really sore. Uh. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be, it's going to suck to have that in the cast, but if you can take one for the team, I think it might be worth it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about breasts in religion. Okay. So bre- breasts, uh, they're in so many stories throughout, throughout history. We, we, some of, some of the words that we use today come from religious aspects of the breasts. So Hera's breast milk was believed to be the origin of the Milky Way. The word galaxy comes from the Greek word gala, meaning mother's milk. So the story is that she was unknowingly nursing like Heracles and while she slept and then when she woke up, she's like, what the fuck is this? And she tossed them away and her milk shoots out and it created the stars. Aww. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a, that's a cute story. It, it's all. Yeah, she's. Uh, I'm just like imagining her eating the baby. <laughs> uh, um, and some some ancient Greek sects, uh, sects I can say this word sects. Uh, mm-hmm. They revered breastfeeding mothers, and there were shrines, um, like little vase shrines and things that uh, with breast shaped cakes and statues were created. And um, skipping over to Egypt, the goddess Isis uh, would be depicted nursing a pharaoh and bestowing him divinity through her milk. And Happy, the god of the Nile, he was depicted with breasts to show his overflowing fertility. Yeah. That, I mean, it makes sense that we would bring it into religious iconography, like some of the earliest religious stuff, like the, the Venus of Willendorf and stuff like mm-hmm. that, have large, ample breasts. So clearly we're associating them with fertility and abundance very early on in human psychology. Tell us more. I will tell you more. Follow me over to India. <laughs> um, where there, are, there is a depiction of Parvati and Shiva um, at, oh gosh, I am going to butcher this. I apologize. At the Halibido, Halibido Temple um, in Karnakata, Karnataka. Uh, that was built in the 12th century. Um, Parvati is shown as having very large breasts and she's very voluptuous and they are being cupped by Shiva. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story is that she was born to tame and to marry him. And their lovemaking was so intense that it disrupted the cosmos. Uh, so statues of her are often like very sensual and um, pretty much everything that you don't see in Western art. Yeah. Um, 
which yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, it's possible that beauty ideal about small breasts might have applied much less yep in the in, in eastern region yep <laughs> uh so uh in christianity breasts are shown often um with mary nursing jesus and uh this painting genre it's called maria lactans um, it, it's, 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 it's its own category. Um, Mary's milk was thought to have healing powers and there were shrines and that contained uh, vials of what was considered her milk, you know, suppose, you know, you know, interesting, sup supposedly, um, and pilgrims would seek them out. And, uh, you hear stories of how saint's milk was also believed to have healing powers. And I am going to insert a trigger warning right here. Um, yeah, trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> I am. I am going to be talking about uh, something horrible. Dismemberment. Hor Dismemberment. Something horrible happening to the girls. Okay. <laughs> so uh, some saints uh, were tortured by having their breasts removed uh, with pinchers, or saws, or other other hor horrific ways. Um, and uh, like Saint uh, Agatha of Sicily, she is the patron saint of nursing mothers. Um, yeah, so so yeah. not not every depiction of of breasts in religion is a happy one. Um, okay. Well, and that's they yeah. they those like themes are part of the Christian like themat like thematic journey of mortifying the flesh mm -hmm. and becoming purified by the mortification of the flesh. And specifically, I think possibly the reason that there is more about like women having their breasts cut off or women being disfigured. That, like things happen to men, but they're not so much like the really gruesome torture. And I think part of that is because in the Christian worldview, women also need to overcome their womanliness mm. and womanliness is inherently seen as being tied to worldliness. Ah, so like a depiction of the womanly body being like tortured and dismembered is a more direct symbol of the mortification of the flesh and letting go of your worldliness, even if you're a man, like looking at it, the symbolism is still the most direct and the most powerful if you're being shown a woman's body versus a man's body. Yeah, that, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And that, um, yeah, that really kind of brings us into the, the next category of, of breasts, you know, the brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about pornography just a little bit. Delightful. <laughs> So, uh, oh, porn. Oh, porn, 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 porn. Okay. So breasts and pornography, um, you know, por porn's existed for as long as people have been around. Um, yes. And the original meaning of the word pornography was a literal depiction of, uh, or description of sex workers. Like that's what porn pornography, eye. yeah, porn, the porn eye, the, the class of sex workers and mm. the modern term, term pornography, uh, as we know, it is art that is to incite arousal. Um, mm -hmm. It came from the 19th century. Um, and breasts have been depicted in art since, you know, forever, since antiquity, um, with sex workers as a subject or model. So mm -hmm. if, if, you have, if you have a picture of a sex worker, even if she is not doing anything, uh, or he or she not doing anything lewd, it's still considered pornography because it is an, like, it is a graphic depiction of a sex worker. So that, that okay. was, that was what it was. Um, and pornography was often used uh, in political or social discourse. Um, bare breasts can have many meanings. Um, 
and it was used in like satire um, during the during the Renaissance and Enlightenment. Um, and later in later periods is when um, when the depiction of of breasts started to be used as a as a means of sexual pleasure. And yeah, the the whole bearing of the breasts is not necessarily always like sexy. Mm-hmm. Like um, there are certain types of like um, beliefs about cursing where like women bear their breasts to curse someone, so it's like threatening. Yeah, to bear your breasts in that context if you're people who believe in those abilities. Um, I love this point that you have about artwork of nude women. Oh, yeah. Um, so a, a lot of the artwork of nude women, it was created by men for men to look at. And the bodies that are shown, they mirror the aesthetics of the patrons. Um, so often a single breast is exposed. And this is because one popular model, um, Agnes Sorrel, who was the first officially recognized courtesan by Charles II of France. Um, portraits of her uh, as a model are famous for her single exposed breast. Which, was that about breastfeeding? Was that about fertility? Um, what was, why, why did she have one boob out? I am not an expert on this topic of, of, of her exactly. Um, okay. I just know that, that if, if this is a, that this is a, like a huge topic um, that could probably have its own show. Um, probably, I, I, yeah. I, I believe uh, uh, Lady Eloise, um, one of the courtesans uh, in the known world courtesans, um, she it, she is very knowledgeable about um, Agnes, and uh, I, I would I would actually love to hear hear her tell that story. Yeah, because I know the things I've read like debate whether the mm-hmm. the reason she's portrayed with one breast out is because it's a portrayal of her beauty. And, like, the perfectness of her boobs and her female sexual power. Or if it's a portrayal of her fertility and her nursing all the... Because she had a bunch of kids for the king as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of debated whether... And it, it could be both. It could be. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of things that get shared is, like, oh, it was, like, a fashion statement. But maybe? I, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it, it could be. <laughs> But yeah. I, I think I think it probably is is uh, it tied to a, a view a view of fertility. Yeah, that seems like a pretty like fair or like good guess. So, what about breasts and health? Well, um, so it it was it was often believed that uh, breast milk was purified blood. <laughs> um, and it was not recommended for women to breastfeed immediately after sex. Uh, and Aristotle told us why, because uh, in time of carnal copulation, this is h- quoting him, the subtlest and best part of the milk goeth to the vessels of the seed and to the womb, and the worst remains in the paps, which doth hurt the child. So they they thought that all the blood rushed out of your body into your um reproductive system and yeah. that breast milk was like I, the gross parts left behind I don't know <laughs> yeah or like the non-nourishing parts because the best parts are going to support your reproductive function interesting hmm. so uh yeah many many upper class and noble women they did not breastfeed um but they had wet nurses um 
but I did find I did find some uh, instances where they talked about medical practitioners encourage mothers to nurse their own children, um, or else the baby wouldn't would like them wet nurse more than the the than the birth mother, um, or or that uh, if a baby if a baby drank from a wet nurse it might absorb her flaws. Uh, wow! <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the first one is actually sort of. Um, it, not inaccurate. There's a lot of like um, bonding hormones that get released by the breastfeeding process. So, um, and it is healthier just in general for pe- babies to be breastfeed by like their own mother because they get the best um, ana- like antibodies and the highest exposure to like advantageous um, microflora, microfauna, and things like that. Like, a lot of those little side health benefits of breastfeeding Hmm. probably wouldn't be as strong if it came from someone that was not genetically related to you, and another magnitude less strong if it's from someone who's not living in the same place and eating the same food and and that sort of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, Well, I mean, just from a scientific perspective, Mm -hmm. but, like, the bonding part is for real. Um. And that, that's always been something that's interesting. And the, I'm going to sidetrack in a Roman culture just really quickly for a second. Yeah. Um, because me, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be necessarily unlikely, especially for like a young girl to actually have as her closest body slave who would dress her and like wipe her butt after she went to the bathroom. Like, I'm not shitting you like fucking everything, mm-hmm. um, might also have been her wet nurse when she was a baby. So you might literally like grow up with this other woman in your life who's not your mother, but honestly provides probably more than half of the things that we think of as being what a mother would do. Like Mm -hmm. a Roman mother would not necessarily hold you when you cried because crying is like a not appropriate expression of your feelings um, as an upper class Roman. So like your Roman mother might send you to your room where your body slave would hold you while you cried. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can't, I like, I just, I think about how close of a relationship they must have had with these slaves because they were like their main emotional support as well. Like if someone's remembering all of your appointments for you in their head, cause they're like, you're living Blackberry. Um, I'm old. I date myself with that, with that <laughs> reference, but they're like, you're living like app store. Um, you know, they're also going to know, like, if you had a bad date or a bad day or if someone, you know, was mean to you and they're going to be there with you all the time and they're going to be with you even when you're what you consider to be in private. Like, even when you think of yourself as being alone, mm-hmm. this person is there. Yeah, yeah. Because alone includes them. Like, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> like, that's a level of intimacy we really only have for, like, our lovers nowadays. So, and that was a person that was completely not related to you. They were like an object that you owned, but I could see you having a a much deeper emotional connection to them than your, your real family. Yeah. No wonder in the past people were all about devaluing emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. 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 I just put that together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, oh, oh, okay. So we have this, you're talking about paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was, this was actually something I didn't have a couple of months ago was, um, what was when I, when I first like 
you know, started, started, on, this started, topic. started on this topic, uh, writing this down is I, um, because of Reddit, uh, I, I <laughs> okay. Okay. No, serious, seriously. Bad women's anatomy, like led me down this really cool, uh, rabbit hole of paintings, um, depicting, uh, breasts that look like they were affected by cancer. And these are from the 16th century. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I will send you, I'll send you the links uh, so that people can see, because this is like really interesting. We think of, um, like these quote unquote, uh, perfect beauty ideals as the ones that painters would paint, but these are, right. but th- these are paintings of clearly affected breasts. Um, and, uh, they're, they're they're anatomical, and the the scientists and doctors that have studied it are fairly certain that they are a very specific type of cancer because of like whatever growth uh, or shape that the breast is taking, um, and th- so like scientists nowadays or doctors nowadays can look at these paintings and diagnose uh, based on what the projected course of a type of cancer. Wow, um, that's it, fascinating. I, it, it's it's really really cool, and you know you wonder. A, a, a lot of times, you know, we criticize painters for not depicting breasts correctly. Like, oh, maybe, you know, we wonder if they've ever seen them before. Um, but one one theory that I read was sometimes artists or patrons, they would actively seek out more unusually shaped body parts or, um, yeah. or breasts because they were unusual and a novelty. And that might be sometimes like why you see that. Right. Well, that's... Like- let's think about this in context. This is an era where art becomes obsessed with anatomy. Like I was sending some Renaissance pictures to a friend of mine and he was like, do you want the lady to be so muscular? And I'm like, yeah, that's a time period thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to preserve that time period, like everyone is super muscular, super well-defined muscles, even if they're the sort of person who literally never left their house because that's what artists were like into drawing them. That was like the thing. And then also at the same time, they are super into dwarves in this time period as like little oddities of anatomy and punch and Judy shows still have actual deformed people in them. Cause that's where punch and Judy comes from. Oh, so this is a time is very much about like anatomy, the study of anatomy, the understanding of anatomy, but also because of that, and the normalization of standard anatomy, a fascination with abnormal anatomy. Yeah. And this is also when the, um, those, they start making those disturbingly beautiful wax medical models of, of ladies. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the anatomical venuses. Hold on. Yes. No. Oh, oh. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to need to look up a picture later. Um, okay. because I'm, I, I feel like I shouldn't have a, an image in my head, but the only thing that is like popping into my head right now is I think from like the 17th century of, uh, a woman, um, who was a suicide victim and they yeah did weird the, stuff with her, with her corpse, uh, to put yeah. on display. <laughs> I, I know the one you're talking about. No, this is, it's, they first start at like the end of the 16th century and they go on for a while and they get really more and more elaborate even to the point where when it reaches when the art form of making these lifelike wax anatomical dummies reaches its like pinnacle there's a dude in England who's even portraying like 
his wax models are specifically dead people. Oh, yeah, the the incorruptible corpses. Is that yes. what Yeah, okay. The well and the, the um well they start as being like alive, like mm-hmm. alive looking. Even like some of the really early ones are even like fully like they put smiling faces on the ladies that are like opening up their chest cavities for you to look at. And it's really kind of disturbing. But that's part of the whole like delving into anatomy and how we got to where we are now with our understanding of it because there was a long period of time where you couldn't look at actual bodies. And so like dirty artisans would look at actual bodies and reproduce them in wax so that real human beings (laughs) with, with respectable like reputations could still learn anatomy. I desperately need to get a glimpse of these because I, I, I don't know. I don't know this. I need, I need to know this. This is, this is my, I, my jam. <laughs> I'm really surprised you don't because it seems like something right up your alley. And yeah, I was actually totally going to post it in the Facebook group you run for morbid things. Oh yeah, you should. But, but then I realized it was like just the, like the real peak of them was just slightly post period. Oh, that's so what, I didn't. Okay. Here, oh, like I'll post it anyway. Here, here, I'll post it anyway. Yes. Yeah. Here's my, my little, my, my little rule for, for it is if it's slightly past period, if you have like Time time does not stop at sixteen hundred. It doesn't, and yeah. uh, trends trends kind of have waves, and they're influenced by our SCA time period. I don't I don't have a problem with people posting, you know, slightly slightly past period. You know, give like a little explanation. Okay. Um, it's like modern goth stuff that right okay kind of gotcha. drives me up the wall. <laughs> oh, and the, I the, mean, the group that we're there talking are about eighty million other groups for that. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The group that that I'm. I, I run is called the Graveyard Galera SCA Macabre. Um, everybody is welcome to join us, uh, and it is it is a place to share uh, the delights that are less talked about. Um, yeah, from yeah, history. From history. Creepy stuff from history. I love it. It's it's a it's always good stuff. It's always good stuff. I'm a little obsessed with cannibalism over there. Just FYI, she is. <laughs> but there's a few of us, so don't worry. We even it out. Uh, okay. Oh. Um. Any bees. Okay. So. Press and morality. This is this should be fun. Okay. This is modern culture. We. We got to talk, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk. Um, yeah. So as much as we try to live the best of, uh, you know, eras ago, we in the SCA are very influenced by modern morality and we are subject to modern laws. And like a lot of things about female and female presenting bodies, breasts are extremely scrutinized and regulated by mores and law. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting overheated over here, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking about how my breasts are not genitals and they should not be. Uh, it's probably for the best we're not drunk by this point because we'd just be like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no wine for me tonight because I need to, I need to keep my angry game on. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are some like, okay, let's give some shout outs. Like where I used to live in Columbia, Missouri has full top freedom for ladies there. That's, that's well, a positive. Now, do they, now, are they able to actually take advantage of it without being assault? Like, like without like people thinking, oh, this is a provocation. Um, right. You, you know what I mean? Like, like there, it's. Like, are you asking if people do it? Right. The, I, ins- yeah, the answer there, to that is very sadly no. Yeah, but there there is a difference between you know something being legal and something being safe to do so. 
you know, I don't know. That is a really good distinction. That is a really, really good distinction. Like, it's legal for me to walk around after dark, but is it safe? Because functionally, whether or not it's safe actually has more to do with whether or not I do it than whether or not it's legal. Let's be honest. Yeah, and, and like, everybody would need to know as well that it's legal that, that you know, somebody, somebody who looks uh, feminine walking around with their top off like is shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't be approached by the police like for for indecent exposure or whatnot yeah um yeah it's yeah it, and and i i do i do include um like people who uh, uh present as feminine because it, it's it's not it's not just it's not just cis women who are targeted um, that's very true targeted by these by these freaky restrictions um it's it's people who who have who are um uh, in- interpreted as having uh, uh, feminine traits that are also censured. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know. Do you like? I didn't. I didn't include this in my notes. But um, do you remember a couple of years back there was a uh, magazine cover that a, a man had hit, he had his hair uh, slightly curled and he was in a pose that was uh, slightly like I, I guess I guess it would be interpreted as feminine and. it was it was covered up the way that they do um the naughty magazines at the bookstores because he looked uh, he looked so feminine yeah and his chest was bared yeah and femininity is inherently sexualized yeah in this in this culture it absolutely is um for and and not really for any reason like i don't i don't feel like my well well uh, i don't know like there there is to remind us that we're all just like a special sex providing and comfort providing class of humans that only exists to provide sex and comfort to real humans. Right. Like that's why. I don't know. Like I, I just, I feel, I feel, and, and I feel like this goes beyond my, my own um, sexual orientation. I just, I, it does. I feel, I feel like my, my, my breasts, they don't bring me pleasure. Like I don't see them as, as entirely sexual. Anytime I've ever used like my breasts, during a sexual act it was not for me like <laughs> you know and see I'm okay I will tell you and well I don't know why I'm saying this there's no such thing as TMI on this podcast no there I get is an not intense, <laughs> I get an intense amount of pleasure for my breasts because my breasts are like insanely sensitive and I have never had kids so I've never done anything with my breasts like that wasn't sexual mm-hmm. and I still do not see them as inherently sexual. Yeah, like yeah. they're, they're just boobs. Like I don't really understand people's crazy obsession with sexuality, but like, honestly, this is cause I'm a hippie. I don't see any part of a human body as inherently sexual no. because yeah. to be honest, I love sex. I would do it as much as I possibly could, but even still I would only be spending like a small fraction of my life on doing the sex. Mm-hmm. I would have to spend a huge portion of my life like sleeping and like eating and like bathing in between sex. And like, so you're never, even your vagina, even your penis is never just for sex. Like sex is always just the funnest thing you do with it. In <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion. Oh, I, technically <laughs> that is also the funnest thing I've done with with my my with my uh, organs, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, other people may have very different feelings about their body and how they live in it, and that's sure. totally cool. And I like respect, though I do not understand it. But <laughs> but you know what I mean, like, and so it's 
it's frustrating to me because as a as an intensely sexual woman it's frustrating to me because it's like you're gonna sexualize this not on my terms and yes. then the sex yeah, and then That's... the sex that I can have with you is also not on my terms. Ding, ding, ding. Meaning the pleasure that I can have from it is not on my terms, <sighs> aka probably non-existent. I'm sorry, and I'm easy to make come. So if you can't make <laughs> come, like as the Amish would say, I wouldn't call that sex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is exactly it. That is like nail. And so head. like the whole bargain is bullshit. Like and 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 you know, as a if you're hearing this and you're like, "That's not what it's like." that's not what it's like for you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay that you haven't had that experience. Honestly, I'm a little jealous, but like, this is totally what it's like for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and possibly other people. I have a hard time imagining we're the only one. So, yeah. you know, like, even if I wanted, like I, and honestly, if anybody in the world could, I would go for my body being a constant sexual, ob- sexual object. Like I, I could see enjoying that. Like, even, like it always being like, sex ready or always being seen or being yeah. seen as sexual um always being sex ready okay okay there we go there we go <laughs> so I'm like I don't want to be objectified <laughs> right but and I think and that's that's the point I'm making even if I could turn my I could actually make my anatomy exist only for sex I still would not want to be objectified for it yes on, not yeah. on my terms yeah. not on my terms yeah and not on my terms is important some because I I as a writer of romance novels, someone asked me they're like, how can people be so into Fifty Shades of Grey? And I was just like, I'd had a bad day and I was out of like niceness. And this is a person I knew pretty closely, and I knew they could take it. So I was like, honestly, in a fucking world where just living means that you get objectified against your consent all the time, why wouldn't you want to like be like, sure, objectify me and give me the diamond necklace? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, sure. I give you permission to do the thing that's going to happen to me anyway, and I'll take presents. I can understand that being a fantasy. I'm sorry. And it's not even in any way my fantasy. Like, being objectified by other people is not my bag. But, like, I can absolutely see how that would be appealing for people. Because it's okay to want to be objectified, and it's also okay to be unhappy when you're objectified, not on your terms. Yes. Like, I, and there, there is, there is that difference um, of of somebody yeah it's it's like the difference of somebody complimenting you on things that you can control whereas somebody coming into your space and uh controlling controlling the discussion of what they want to do to you yeah it's like literally the difference between complimenting my tits and complimenting how my dress shows them off yeah like, oh, that dress looks very lovely on you uh, instead of... Oh, I, or, or I love yeah. what that dress does for you. Yeah. It's verging on creepy. It's very yeah. it's very distinctly so sexual. Good. It's totally about your boobs. But is it going to make you want to, like, literally, like, crawl into a hole and die and, like, scrape your skin off when someone says it to you? No. Yeah. <laughs> or at least not as much. <laughs> Just like, yeah, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's said in a public space... And not in a PM. I think that that's the difference for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, and I love this. I love you talking about selling the pasties. Oh, oh, pasties. Oh, yes. Okay. You've got to share this story. Okay. This little, this little story. So, um, yeah. So breasts are scrutinized. They're regulated. They are regulated today. Uh, this, and this depends on, you know, your, your location in some places it is, 
uh, it's still illegal for a woman to be on stage topless, like w without her nipples covered. Um, mm -hmm. And bur a lot of uh, burlesque will, will cover this. Um, and it, oh man, burlesque is so empowering. Um, but uh, uh, men, they don't receive the same kind of backlash for, for bearing their chests. And yeah. one thing that I really, really, really appreciate uh, when men do it as a courtesy um, is to wear pasties when women are required to wear them. Um, I, you know, you see this, uh, you see this at burlesque shows. Um, and I'm like, this is, this is fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's, that's it's, beautiful. Show, it's showing, it's showing solidarity for, uh, what yeah. I consider an injustice. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's coming in into a space that a, a lot of women had to make for themselves. Um, you know, instead of saying, Hey, look what I can do that you can't, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of showing the ridiculousness of it. Um, right. Even I love pasties though. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So last year, um, at Red Tower, I sold pasties to kind of help cover costs of the revel since, um, uh, SCA money cannot go towards alcohol or, um, or, or, or the like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was, uh, you know, out of my, out, on my own, I was selling, uh, I, I was, you know, exchanging pastries, pasties, uh, for, uh, booze money. Um, and uh, a lot of men in attendance, uh, they gave an attempt to wear them, and it made me so happy. Um, a, a lot of them, they were sweated off. It was so incredibly hot. This is like early October in Georgia. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's so, hot then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Wait. <I'm> <laughs> wait. You, you you live in the South too? You like is it cooler in? Oh no! But I mean, I grew up in Nebraska, so okay. This is what weather is to me. Weather is like <laughs> subtropical Florida weather, and yeah. then there's like real weather. And so I just imagine if you're not living in subtropical Florida that you have you experience real weather. And real weather for me is Nebraska, which is honestly a lot more like Michigan than it is like the South, right? In anywhere, yeah. So like I just we've in 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 Nebraska, Halloween has been canceled because of too much snow and ice oh my my goodness no right. so, how, how so yeah if, if you're lucky is sweater weather um it's okay like, that's like that's like a, okay so the beginning of october is usually on the warmer side and gotcha. then and then uh as you get closer to november is uh is when it, it that's psl season baby okay well <laughs> sorry to, to have a little boring talk about the weather but even even really people with really exciting lives still need to know about the weather yes <laughs> Well, okay, but weather is important for this story because a lot of a lot of the pasties were sweated off because it, it was just so hot and humid. I mean, it was also my first time making the, those kinds of pasties and testing it out. So I learned a lot from the experience, but also um, there was a burlesque festival happening at the same weekend. And apparently a lot of the performers had the same problem as oh, the, no. for, for pasties staying on due to humidity. So... Sometimes you know, it's just not pasties weather. Or or we can or or we can, you know, get rid of the need for having to wear them all the time. Right. Like, I, I'm in favor. I'm in favor of that. Because it's just and the thing that's crazy to me is that like it is specifically about whether or not we read you as female. Mm -hmm. Because there are non-binary people, there are trans yep. people, there are genderqueer people, and none of them technically have female nipples. Right. Right. And but yet yeah, they're still censored. And then like, that's bullshit. 
like on so on so many levels. Yeah, and there there are there are cis cis men who identify as men who might have a you know large uh, more tissue on their chest than I do, and they are fine. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. they, they're not they're not being uh they're not being criticized in in the same way that I would be criticized. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's a weird thing because you're like, people would like to look at my breasts more than this person. This is totally a body shaming, fat shaming thing. And it's horrible. It's horrible. I know. Yeah. But you like, that's part of your immediate thought. And, but that, even that is like sexism because it's like, well, why the fuck don't we want to look at this, this person? And so like, I, this is low key horrible, but like, I objectify guys in public when they take their shirts off. Like. Um, I will almost never let that pass without comment. Like, I don't say, I never say shitty things. Like, I'm never, because I've heard some men say some really horrible things about women, um, and how they're dressed or slightly undressed. And I would never say things like that. But, um, I do, I'm never like, put your shirt back on or like, I never say shitty things, but I'll be like, woo, I'm glad you brought that out to see the sun. That like might be the most negative thing I would ever say. But again, I'm glad you brought that out to see the sun. You know, you may be pasty, but I want to see it. So I just, because I feel like men just have no understanding of what it even is like to be objectified. Um, and so I try to, I try to, I'm trying to do my part. <laughs> I might, I might like appreciate like it, at a convention, like a cosplay. Like I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better about complimenting men. Cause like, you know, for, for, a long time, um, you know, I had I, I, I kind of like was conditioned to stop complimenting it because the, they're going to take it as flirting. Um, yes. Which is which? Why? Why? No, people, people, sh- like sh- people. Sh- I, I feel, I feel like friends. Like if I, if I, if they look nice, I want to tell yeah. them. I would do the same for a woman. Like you know, boost boost that esteem. Um, yeah. So I'm trying. I feel to- like. Yeah, I feel like it's a pinnacle of, like, the whole, like, just fucked up gender relations thing Mm -hmm. we have going on in our modern society because, like, women aren't supposed to need anything from men other than babies. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't need them, but we do need them for our self-worth and everything. And I don't know, like, it's just this weird thing. Everything's very standoffish and they're the... We're not gender separated, but we are very gender separated in some ways that are really weird, and like no one knows how to negotiate it. So there's all this hostility. Well, yeah, and, and I it's, think... it's all like the, well, the it's so new, it, and the and we don't have yeah. really have guidelines anymore. Um, like mm-hmm. where things used to be very rigidly structured. So I think yeah. we're, we're figuring it out as we go. And I have a lot of like you know faith in the next generation. You know, Gen Z, come on, you, you guys are gonna do great. <laughs> right, that's the yeah. next one. Yeah. That's- <laughs> um but yeah I, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to be like more more aware of not holding back compliments yeah um I mean I I did I did uh when I was at medieval times I, I noticed that one of the one of the writers was very handsome I was like oh he's so handsome and he threw me a flower for it so I don't Whoa. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the point of my story there he wasn't topless. it's okay it can be <laughs> It can be really hard though, because you. We also have legitimate safety concerns. Yes, like if yeah. if someone misreads your compliment and they won't let it go, they're the sort of person. Which, by the way, you can't tell just by looking at someone if they're the sort of person who mm-hmm. is going to feel entitled and not be able to let it go. Like if they're that sort of person, then then you're getting followed to your car. You yeah. know, 
Um, so you, you do have to, you should never feel bad about not feeling safe and not doing something because you don't feel safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a totally legitimate thing. And like, even me, I've been doing this for years. I've been working on it literally for years, objectifying men loudly and proudly. Um, even me, uh, there are still situations where I won't like, uh, I'll later be like, and my, you know, Randy will be like, I'm surprised you didn't say anything to that guy. And I'm like, uh, I didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. You, you know? gotta, and, you gotta trust your instincts. Right, 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 right. And that's the thing. Like when it was first a thing that my partner would comment to me about, he'd be like, why didn't, well, you should, you shouldn't be scared. Like, and now mm-hmm. he's learned that instead of telling you how I should feel or when I should be scared or not, he should just trust me that there there was some reason, you know? Yeah. There was some reason. And that's actually been a thing that's been really nice for me recently in my life is having more people in it that support me when I'm like, I don't feel right about this. No, it's important. Yeah. Listen it, to your gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It, yeah. Your gut has probably saved you more times than you know. Oh, yeah. I've, I've recently, I've re- it saved my life recently. <laughs> <laughs> again <laughs> so yeah um that, but, I but, love I love digging into this though because it is there is there something else you wanted to mention um hold on what what did what did, else this, did I, this, I, this, I, I, I we have like an outline we're going by and yeah. you've been very out of order yeah <laughs> I, I was I was mostly just like ranting like why is why is it, it, <laughs> right yeah why is what is on me obscene and what's on him okay like yeah uh, I went on a little bit of a of a tirade earlier um yeah so breast, breasts are not genitals um yeah yeah even and even even like women that get their breasts removed are sometimes barred from going topless like you hear the stories of um you know a a cancer survivor who was uncomfortable in like the a top that was like over, over her scars. And so she was like, well, I don't, I don't have breasts anymore. So there's nothing obscene about it. And she took right. it off. And then like, I like, this was, this was in a newspaper a while ago. Um, and it, like, she was, she was still criticized. Yeah. By it. Um, I think, Which like, is absurd. It's absurd. There's not, there's nothing there to be offended by, except for the fact that she is woman. Well, and technically, if they don't have nipples on them, they're, like, not breasts. Right. And, like, still, right. if you have... And, by the way, like, this is the nitty-gritty details of breast cancer. Like, sometimes you don't have nipples anymore. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have, like, breast-shaped objects attached to your body. And, like, um, it's something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about because there are some very important women in my life who've had breast cancer. And because of the relationship I have with my breasts, like, I honestly don't think I would be able to handle having objects attached to me that did not have the same sensual experience. So I, if I ever have to get a double mastectomy, I'm going to go no reconstruction and get a beautiful tattoo across my chest because I feel like that would be like reclaiming it as something beautiful and part of you. But I would, I wouldn't wear a shirt anymore. Fuck the world. And if anybody wanted to fight me, I would fight them. I would throw hands for that. I'd be like, (laughs) motherfucker, you do not know what I have survived. Oh man, I got a little teary about that. It makes me. <laughs> yeah. I breast cancer is um cancer in general is a horrible disease. Um and I feel like breast cancer is just that that fucked up intersection between medicine and um like bias in mm-hmm. medicine and it so it gets me it gets me heated. <laughs> yeah. Um well, but, um one one victory uh for uh, for breasts uh, happened in 1999. I'm going to throw this out here. The federal government passed the law protecting nursing mothers on federal property. Woo woo. Uh, only on fe- federal property. 
yeah but still but still it was it, it was progress something yeah it was something that kind of um i i think uh boosted um a lot of like you know the the oh gosh the lactivate like the lactivation activist lactivist that's it that's the word i was looking for um you know kind of like making it so that there is a safe environment for uh nursing uh, people right. who are nursing um to feed their babies you know right instead of having to like sit on a toilet it's ridiculous well and if you cannot fucking see that all this shit is about devaluing everything women do because women do it or you know and not about like okay, people are allowed to want to do whatever they want to do, blah, 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 blah. But, like, there are certain conservative movements that are like, oh, no, we don't hate women. We love women as long as they fulfill their traditional roles. Really? Is Uh, that why they can't breastfeed in public? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Why they can't be actively mothering in public? What, with your totally embracing them and loving them when they fulfill their roles? No, because you don't love women anymore when they are fulfilling their roles. You want them to shut up and sit down and be invisible. So, like... Like, no, there's no part of this. Like, and there, I know that there, I I specifically said conservative and not like Christian or anything because, you know, there are lots of possibilities. And a a thing I really truly believe very deeply in me is that you have to always be open for any possibility for the universe to surprise you with the most unexpected thing. But I've just never run across a conservative culture that said that they honored women fulfilling their traditional roles that seemed like it actually loved women fulfilling their traditional roles. And didn't still shun them. So, I'm just oh. saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This, I like how we're not drunk at all, but we still have like so we're, many rants at the end. I know. I, I feel. I feel like a, a little, a little bit drunk on rage. A little bit. Like, it happens. Yeah. It's righteous. I don't know, like. What do, What do y'all think that are listening? Um, are feminine breasts taboo? Should they like how How does it affect your um, your active role in the SCA or in modern life? Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. Like, if, if if anybody has, you know, any any tidbits for us. Yeah, true. Any any, any tidbits for us. Tidbits. Tidbits. <laughs> yes, we would love to hear your tidbits. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you can at us at SC Courtesans or horse at Horse Culture on Twitter. Um, call us four forty four whores. Uh, leave a message anytime. Um, email horsetoculture at gmail dot com. Let's see, Facebook WTC podcast. Yeah, we want to hear your tidbits. I like yes. that. Yes. Well, so and I, yeah. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this because like, boobs are one of those things that like we kind of they're sort of part of the landscape, but they're a huge, really important part of our culture. Yeah, and it's like all something the way you back. Don't, you don't think about. It's like. I mean, it's, it's like right there in front of you, literally, right. <laughs> and, and it's also something that you, that you get to think about very often. So this has been like r- really fun. Uh, thank you for having me on. I always enjoy uh, coming in to chat with you. Um, this, this is, I, I really do love oh, this yeah. podcast and I, I love the, uh, the network that it's created. Um, yes. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really like, and we've been having a, an influx of new members in KWC. And whenever someone's like, Oh my God, I listen to all the episodes of the podcast. Like I just, I get so excited and they are always so excited, which yeah. is like the real proof in the pudding for me is that this has been in these talks, all of these wonderful talks are actually inspiring people, which is the point of all of them. So thank you for helping me. And thank you for being such an awesome, inspiring part of this. Cause you have been since the very beginning. <laughs> oh, thank you. And yeah, the, 
the literal courtesans has you know meant a lot to me it's helped me in more ways than I can express and yeah. um I I've I, I appreciate everybody who is a member of our community um yeah thank, yeah. thank you yeah, you're you're not alone in that. I think the KWC has, has been a really important thing for a lot of us. So thank you so much for being with, with us here tonight, Justina. You are wonderful as always. And thank you, lovelies, for joining us today for Horse to Culture. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed sharing and sharing and sharing our salon with you. Uh, make sure you always have a seat in our salon. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite service. And please give us a five-star rating. It really helps us in the ag- algorithms. It doesn't matter what kind of review you leave. No words, shopping list, doesn't matter. But if you give us those five stars, it helps people to find us. And that's really important. Um, it only takes a moment and it helps us so much. We would be so very grateful. You can call us with society gossip or questions for your favorite courtesans anytime at 444 Horse. We'll be waiting to hear from you. Look for our website at knownworldcourtesans.org. That's K-N-O-W-N-E-W-O-R-L-D-C-O-U-R-T-E-S-A-N-S dot O-R-G. That's known with an E on the end as in ye olde English. You can follow the Known World Courtesans on Twitter at SCA Courtesans. We are on Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, and Facebook as Known World Courtesans with the E. Uh, join us in our Facebook group where we plan every podcast. We absolutely love to chat. You can find us at facebook.com uh, slash groups slash W2C podcast. Face- Facebook won't let us use whore in the URL because they're jerks. So we're the letter W, the number two, the letter C, and then the word podcast. We have a Twitter just for the podcast. Um, you can find us at Horse to Culture. And on Facebook, we're W2C podcast again because they won't let us use the word whore. Because they're jerks. Actually, I think they just don't want to go pay a bunch of fines because of FOSTA stuff, nah. which is dickbags legislation. Um, you can also, yeah, you can also support us by becoming our patron on Patreon. Starting at just a dollar a month, you can get rewards like voting on future salon themes, early access to episodes, videos of known world kingdom, uh, known world courtesan members in our historical clothing, uh, as you heard us talk about. And at the very tippy top levels, you can have an entire episode dedicated just to you. Every one of our salons is a labor of love, but with your help, we can get better recording equipment and basic recording equipment to more of our members so we can bring you more voices and more stories. Please help us support marginalized voices in podcasting today. Become a patron at www.patreon.com slash horse to culture. To support modern sex workers worldwide, please visit the Red Umbrella Fund at redumbrellafund.org.